0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast with Brian Weber. It's a talk show. We talk. And former Pro Bowl Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart.
1: Hey, get your popcorn ready.
0: NFL No Huddle airs live weekdays from 4 p.m. to
2: 7 p.m. Eastern on the NFL on TuneIn, your everything audio app. Hello and welcome to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. I'm Brian Weber alongside Cordell Stewart. On today's podcast, we're going to focus on the Vikings with Mike Wabshaw from the Vikings Entertainment Network. Spotlight Engine with injury analyst Will Carroll and provide your fantasy fix with Dennis Farrell of Fantasy Football Geekly.
1: And Brian, let's kick off the podcast today with NFL on CBS analyst and former NFL safety Adam Archuleta.
2: Adam, thanks so much for taking the time. So the dynamic for this game changing with reports the Steelers may rest their starters, but I'll take it back to what happened week 17 last year. Steelers used their backups to beat Cleveland in overtime. So let's say Cleveland runs the table in reverse. They go to 0-16, Owen 16 matching what the Lions did in 2008. Do you think Hugh Jackson really should feel good about keeping his head coaching job in Cleveland? You know,
3: you can't feel good about it because the numbers are the numbers. And, you know, the fact that you potentially have only won one game in two seasons, that doesn't look good on a head coach. But this is where I, I can make a case for Hugh in the fact that, you know, his roster, and I've done – I don't know if this might be my fifth Cleveland Brown game this season. And um, the roster was gutted. And, you know, they just, um, they've just they done some good things on the defensive side of the ball, much better against the run than they were a year ago. Um, they just don't have playmakers. And I think, you know, your offense, when you have a 20, 21-year-old quarterback who really wasn't accurate coming out of college, you put him with, you know, uh, receiver core that has three practice squad guys and don't have any experience, um, the offense is going to struggle. I mean, I think that's part of it, regardless of who's, who's the head coach. So I, I would make a case that in a lot of games this year, they've been extremely competitive, have not had the playmakers or the talent to end up winning games.
1: Adam, when you, when you look at this matchup, you know it's probably one of the most historical Rivalries in the game I mean you have the Chicago Bears you have Green Bay Uh, you have the Steelers of course sometimes the Cowboys but mainly the Cleveland Browns because they've always been in the same division together when you see the energy that's been displayed since James Harrison has left to go to the new England Patriots do you think this team is emotionally prepared to play in a rivalry such as this one even though the starters are going to sit but yet also look at the big picture of saying we're moving forward to play for something big
3: yeah, you know, I, I can, I can maybe speak a, a little bit of experience, uh, not necessarily a rivalry game, but go back to two thousand and three when I was with the Rams, and, and I think that you know we might have been, you know, one of the top, if not the best team in football that year, and we're going into our last game. We already secured a first round bye, and we did have a chance if we won against the Lions, which I think only won, you know, two or three games that year, so they were one of the worst teams. Uh, We had a chance, even though it was unlikely, we were going to get a a home-field advantage throughout the playoffs. And we went to Detroit, and we got smacked. And um, our starters did play in that game, but emotionally, we were not ready. And I think that loss lingered. We did get a first-round bye, but then we ended up losing to Carolina in the the divisional round in double overtime. And I think the the way we finished the season lingered into the playoffs. So I, I would be extremely careful if I was the Steelers and they need to come out and they need to be motivated. They need to play a clean football game. And as, as hard as it is, they cannot look forward to the playoffs because, you know, they can't afford to get in that kind of a mindset.
2: Chatting with Adam Archuleta of CBS sports. will be in the boots Sunday in Pittsburgh when the Browns take on the Steelers. Adam, how do you see the MVP race? Tom Brady having another strong season, but he has thrown five interceptions in this month of December. If a running back's going to win the award, you got to put up sensational numbers. Todd Gurley, 2,000 yards from scrimmage, and the Rams may be the best story in the NFL.
3: Sure. You know, this one's hard because, you know, obviously it's, it's almost impossible to bet against Brady. Um, if he wins, you can't say that somebody else got robbed because he's been so good. Um, you know, but Todd Gurley is is doing some really good stuff. And the fact that I think that the Rams are going to the playoffs for the first time since I was on the Rams over 10 years ago, I think is pretty remarkable itself. Here's one thing that um, it would never happen, but you know, Brady in new England, I, I know he's the MVP, but, but what Gronk has done for him this season, I think is pretty exceptional because anytime they've gotten into a tight ball game, uh, the Bills, the first time they played, the Bills played a really good defensive game against them, but then they couldn't stop Gronk in the second half. He took over, allowed New England to win. Same thing just a couple weeks ago with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh was playing a great game, it really was frustrating Brady. But in the fourth quarter, Gronk took over in that game, and nobody had an answer for him. So, you know, it, it's hard to not give Brady the MVP, but I mean, he has really been bailed out quite a bit by his tight end. So I wouldn't diminish what Gronk has meant to that football team.
1: Oh, it's been tremendous, uh, to say the least, Adam. But let's talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Um, you know, Harrison Smith, he was snubbed with getting to the to the Pro Bowl, but he's playing this type of football as a safety that's, that's different than most. I think you can recognize that because how well you played when you did. Uh, to Case Keenum on the other side, leading this football team, and no one's really allowing him to – let's just say get his just in a sense of respect and every week he's proven everyone wrong. How much are you excited or anticipating seeing this team play and how far do you anticipate them going?
3: You know, I think the sky's the limit for him. And, uh, you know, Cordell, as you know, so much of this league is perception because most people really don't closely watch all the games and you maybe see some highlights or you maybe see something on the red zone or maybe you read something. And so, you never guys like case who, you know, has struggled in the last few years that he's had an opportunity to start. You know, the perception is that he's a backup and there's no way that he could be legit. There's, you know, sooner or later that he's going to fail and sooner or later, he's going to play like a backup. But if you watch it and you actually watch the game, you're like, Hey, this guy's playing some pretty good football. And, you know, there's really not a, a, a lot to his game that you can knock. So, I think that he's legit. I think that he has a chance of playing really good uh, throughout the playoffs. And I think that defense is, is pretty unbelievable. You got to really appreciate the job that Mike Zimmer has done for the Vikings. Um, but the NFC, man, I, I could see so many teams getting hot, and I could see so many teams, you know, making a run. They've, they've, they're so, it's so interesting this year. And I think it's shaping up to be a great postseason, especially in the NFC.
2: Adam Archuleta of CBS Sports is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Adam, last one for me. Eagles have locked up the top seed in the NFC, but that defense has been shaky the last few weeks. I think about what the Giants did a couple weeks ago, jumping out to that 20-7 to 7 lead, and we know what happened on Monday night. Nick Foles also had a bad game against the Raiders. Here's a classic talk show, pick one from column A, column B kind of question. Sure. What's more likely, the Eagles are one and done, they lose in the divisional round, or they make it to the Super Bowl?
3: Well, so excuse me. So much, uh, of course, depends on matchups and you know who they draw. And I, I don't know if I've looked far enough to see who potentially they're going to match up with. But um, I have a feeling that whoever it is, they're going to have to uh, match an offense that can put up a lot of points and that has a lot of great balance. Um, unlike, and he hasn't had a season's worth or a body of work to judge him on unlike Case Keenum, who has looked the part and been the part for Minnesota. Um, nothing against Nick Foles, but I think that if you're going to go far in the playoffs, you've got to be special. There has to be something special. There has to be something magical about your football team. All of that stuff has to come together. And unfortunately, I think Philadelphia was that team with Carson Wentz, but um, I still think they're going to be a tough out, but I just don't see the special quality that says, Philadelphia is ready to really do damage in the postseason.
2: Adam, we really appreciate you coming back on the show. Always enjoyed chatting with you. Have a great call in Pittsburgh. Happy New Year. Hope to chat with you again in 2018 on the NFL on TuneIn.
3: All right, gents. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're listening to
0: NFL No Huddle, the podcast. And we'll be right back with more after this.
2: When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns and Saint Punt returns, and I can't believe he caught that, look for the light beer that's always brewed for more taste with only 96 calories. Miller Lite, the original light beer to be enjoyed from pregame to postgame. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste. Miller Lite.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and
2: Cordell Stewart. Next on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, we're joined by Will Carroll, the injury analyst. Will, as always, we appreciate the time. Tom Brady putting up robust numbers, 30 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Good chance he's going to win the MVP award, but where do you think he is physically at this stage of the season dealing with both the shoulder issue and that lingering Achilles problem?
4: Yeah, you know, he's been dealing with these for much of the season, and I don't think this is any different. Obviously, they've got things pretty well locked up. There's no reason to really push him out there. I think he'll play. I think they're going to maintain him through. They certainly always enjoy having that extra week to rest up, not just him but others, so I don't think this is any uh, major concern. I think calling this a bruised Achilles is a little interesting. Uh, We know he's had problems with this, that he's dealt with some shoes and orthotics to make sure it's relatively comfortable. I guess the the green smoothies don't help with that. Uh, But coming on the heels of the story about his his personal trainer uh, being pushed away from the sidelines, uh, I'm curious if these
1: tie together. And yeah, that's pretty interesting. The first thing came to mind uh, when all of a sudden you see Alex Guerrero no longer around. All of a sudden these injuries just start popping up on the injury report um, when it comes down to Tom Brady. But let's talk about A.B., a guy who is potentially MVP candidate, high MVP candidate, end up hurting his lower leg, I think in his left leg, maybe his calf. Give me your yeah. take on his return capabilities uh, in the next couple of weeks or so.
4: Well, certainly you saw after the win that uh, Ben Roethlisberger understood just how important the bye week was going to be to getting Brown back. That calf strain, it's it's right above the Achilles tendon. It's a bad location, but it's not a significant strain. Should be able to heal up in about three, four weeks, so going to be right there. I'd anticipate that it, during that bye week, uh, they're going to be uh, right up to the bye week they're going to be very conservative. We're probably not going to see anything. Yeah, he, he's done some weight-bearing over the last couple days, according to sources that I've spoken with. They anticipate that after the bye week, he's going to gear things up. Uh, they are using something called the Ultra g treadmill, and I just talked about this on my podcast. Uh, the Ultra g treadmill has basically an airbag that uses pressure to take the weight off you. So essentially, it's like running on the moon, where there's much less body weight coming down rather than the 200 pounds that Antonio Brown uh, typically weighs inside this treadmill. Uh, he can weigh as little as 50, uh, which puts a lot less strain on that calf, but allows him to keep up the uh, the conditioning uh, and makes it easier for him to transition back. They can add more and more weight, uh, and uh, I think we'll see him out there running uh, after the bye week.
2: One small step for man, one giant leap for Antonio Brown. Talking injuries with Will Carroll. Well, a lot of consonants to get to when it comes to DeMarco Murray. Initial report for the knee injury, LCL. Now we're hearing third-degree MCL tear. What's his outlook heading into the regular season finale? It's
4: going to be tough. Uh, you know, with both injured, assuming this is both, uh, and – the thing that's confusing here is it's not like you mix these up. They're on opposite sides. The LCL, the lateral collateral ligament, is on the outside of the knee. The MCL is on the inside of the knee. They work exactly opposite. You hit it from the outside, it pushes it in. The MCL is is strained. Uh, you push it out, which doesn't happen as often. The LCL is strained. Now, With this uh, report of the grade three, which is a complete or near-complete tearing of the ligament uh, and a complete loss of structural integrity there, this isn't as bad. Because uh, if if you tear your MCL, uh, say, for example, Adrian Peterson, when he tore his ACL, he also tore his meniscus and the MCL. Normally, the surgeons don't repair that. uh, And in all likelihood, Adrian Peterson has been playing for however many years uh, wasn't it this year? But was good in years past uh, without an MCL. So you can be out there with the secondary stabilizers of the leg uh, rather than with the MCL. So if it's just the MCL, even a complete tear, uh, Murray has a chance to come back. I mean, he's strong. He's got a stable base. Uh, yeah, you can play without an ACL. Uh, there was a story here locally about the Purdue quarterback who played the last three weeks, including a bowl game, uh, without. Uh, an ACL. Uh, He had a fairly significant tear there and played out there even without a brace. Uh, So it's entirely possible to play. Whether Murray can do it and be functional remains to be seen.
1: You mentioned mentioned ACL. Uh, Sam Bradford, uh, it was considered as a bone ruse that that stemmed from having a few yeah. uh, surgically repaired ACLs on his knee. Tell me your take on on his case, because I think now they're having a conversation to where it sounds like it matters if he's healthier, as yeah. if he may even be the start of his football team in Minnesota.
4: Well, you know, it, it's fairly interesting. Uh, I talked to some people there, obviously great medical staff. uh this isn't so much about whether he can play and make the Minnesota Vikings better. He's essentially the number three right now. Uh, but you know the, the meniscus problem that he's had in the past, there's basically no cushioning in that knee. Uh, so he's going out there, it's like uh, a car without shock absorbers. It works, uh, but you're not going to have any fun doing it. Uh, what they want to do is basically be good guys and do the right thing by a guy who, tr- who tried to do the right thing by them. They want to get him back out there on the field, if possible, and show that, hey, maybe he can go and play for another team next year. And There's certainly teams that are looking for that kind of quarterback, even just as a backup quarterback. I think that's more likely the opportunity that Bradford's going to see. But if they can get him out there, if they can say, hey, he's relatively healthy, let's give him a shot uh, to be, you know, relatively normal to show that he doesn't have to answer questions about his physical uh, ability at this stage, just about whether he fits with a football team. Uh, That's one of those things that it goes a lot further than a lot of people think when it comes to uh, free agents coming.
2: Injury analyst, Will Carroll is our guest on the NFL on TuneIn. Will, last one for me. Giants have so many issues to try to resolve They're hoping that Odell Beckham Jr. is 100% when we get to training camp. Any reasons to be concerned about a player trying to come back from a significant ankle injury?
4: No, no. uh, He's actually out of the boot and walking around. That's about where you'd expect him to be. It's been, gosh, almost two months since his surgery. So you'd think uh, the ligaments, the bone, everything in there should be healed to the point where he's, you know, relatively functional, not playing football functional, not Odell Beckham athletic but you know, walking around the locker room functional, which is where most people would be. So I don't think this is anything uh, superhuman, like some have said that he's come back early. He, he hasn't he's he's pretty much online. There's no reason to rush him back. Uh, what they want is for this to go normally, which means he could be back and doing all those athletic things uh, they want, not just next year. Uh, for next season, rather, but into minicamp, that he can have a relatively normal offseason. And there's no reason to think that's not where this is going right now.
2: Well, tremendous information as always. Enjoy the holiday weekend. Look forward to chatting with you next week, getting ready for wildcard weekend in the NFL.
0: Sorry, guys. You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
2: Long count. Matthews got it. Wants to throw.
0: Looks right. Comes middle. Throws It is five. Take five. Take two. Take one. two that zone.
5: Touchdown.
4: Hi, Lions fans. It's me, Tori Petrie. Hey, it's me,
1: Lomas Brown here.
4: We're the hosts of the Tori and Lomas podcast right here on TuneIn. We found the angle to the house, and the Lions are right back in
1: it. Tune in on Wednesdays
0: as we break down the Lions' last game and preview the game coming up. We'll see you there. This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: As we continue on NFL No Huddle, the podcast, let's welcome in Mike Wabshaw of the Vikings Entertainment Network. Mike, as always, we appreciate the time, and I want to be transparent. I have had doubts about Case Keenum. I've been critical of him in the past, but he has defied my expectations. He's playing at an exceptionally high level. Still... Why am I hearing reports now? Sam Bradford's getting closer to coming back to the practice field. We've talked about Teddy Bridgewater. Is it time for us all to leave Case Keenum alone?
6: <laughs> yeah, I I, um, I think we can be pretty safe in assuming that Case will be the starter, uh, even if Sam does come back to practice. Um, you know, that's still a couple of steps away from being able to play. Um, and if he is cleared to play, I think it would be as the backup um, to Case. So Case, Case will be the starter uh, for the rest of the season, I would imagine, unless um, something drastic happens. And, you know, I, I would even go so far as to say, if this run of the Vikings ends short of a Super Bowl, I have a feeling it won't be because of Case. And, um, you know, I'm not saying he's infallible. I don't think he had his best game last Saturday night against Green Bay, but, um, but with the team constructed the way it is, uh, I, just, I don't think there's a ton of pressure on Case, and I, I don't think we, we live and die with Case Keenum, and he's done a great job of handling his business all season.
1: When you think about this team, I think first you really think about the defense. And right now, when it comes to points allowed defensively, they're number one in the National Football League. And that's mainly because of Coach Zimmer. Give me your take on this conversation that I'm hearing that Coach Mike Zimmer, the head coach of this team, is going to relinquish the play calling over to George Edwards, who's the defensive coordinator. I thought he was the one calling the plays. Is it Coach Zimmer this year that's been calling the plays?
6: Yeah, I think I think Coach Zimmer's probably had a, a pretty heavy hand in, in the play calling, you know, and, and that's sort of his forte. I mean, he's been really good at that um, in the NFL for a, a lot of years. I think he's just got a good intuition, and I think he's got a really solid uh, system that he knows inside and out, obviously. But George Edwards is a really close, uh, I don't know if confidant is the right word, but I just think he's very trusted by Mike Zimmer. And they've been together at a couple of different NFL stops, and I, and I think where Coach Zimmer is coming from, guys, in in terms of considering relinquishing the play calling duties, is I don't think Zim wants the game situation, managing the clock, managing timeouts, motivating the offense. Um, staying on top of special teams issues. I don't think he wants any of that to get lost on him. I think he feels responsible for all of those duties. And if giving up some play calling can help him be better in those areas, I think he trusts his defensive staff enough to consider doing that. Now, he's considered doing it before, and he's kind of come back to it. Um, but I still think no matter what, even if he does officially relinquish the play-calling duties, I still think he's going to have a pretty heavy hand uh, when the defense is on the field. He'll be on the headset, and he'll be talking to the coaches. And I I think it does take a village to run a really good defense in the NFL, and and the Vikings are a good example of that.
2: A Nordic village in Minnesota talking Viking football with Mike Wabshaw, Vikings Entertainment Network, Vikings team channel here on TuneIn. Last time we saw the Vikes, Mike, they were shutting out the Packers on Saturday. Such a tremendous defense. This calls for a degree of speculation because we're going through scenarios. Who do you think in the NFC, which offense would present the biggest matchup dilemma for the Vikings in the playoffs? We know what they did against the Saints, and we know what they did against the Rams this season.
6: Yeah, I think it's the Saints or the Rams. Now, um, you know, the Vikings had good success against both teams. Um, uh, You know, as a defense, they held New Orleans to 19 points, which is about 11 below their season average, and they held the Rams to 7 points, which is uh, 20-plus points below their season average. Here's the concern I have about both of those offenses. With the Saints, you know, that was back in week one. They still had Adrian Peterson, and they didn't know quite what they had in Alvin Kamara. That's a different offense now. I mean, Kamara and Ingram are a dynamite tandem, probably the best tandem in the NFL. So that, that's a different ball game. And then the thing that, that I would say about a, a matchup with the Rams is, at the end of the day, it's still goth against Zimmer, and that's advantage Zimmer all day long. But – I think Sean McVeigh knows what he's doing, and Sean McVeigh would have a counterattack. I mean, he's already gotten one dose of Mike Zimmer. I think McVay is innovative and, and creative enough to come up with a good plan for a counterattack. Now, Mike Zimmer would, kn- would know that there's a counterattack coming, and Mike Zimmer would have a wrinkle or two of his own that he would throw in there. That's different from the the meeting earlier in the season. But I do think that's an interesting dynamic in a Rams-Vikings matchup is what can Sean McVay come up with to counter what he's already seen from Mike Zimmer once in the regular season. So there are some interesting dynamics in both of those potential rematches between Mike Zimmer's defense and the Saints offense and the Rams offense.
1: Mike, is the starting quarterback on this roster right now going into
6: 2018? Oof. Yes, that's such an interesting question. You know, I mean, I think you can make a compelling case for Case Keenum. You know, and I think, um, you know, obviously the the team is going to be very interested and loyal um, to Teddy Bridgewater. They've stuck with him, you know, through everything so far. They probably want to see what it looks like coming out of the injury. Um, I wouldn't. I, I just. I hate to dance around the topic, but I don't think the team knows. I don't think the team knows exactly what it's going to do, and it'll be interesting to see what the market might be for a Case Keenum or for a Teddy Bridgewater. You have the franchise tag, and then the 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 wild card is what happens with Pat Shermer. You no, know, I think he's going to be a candidate for some head coaching jobs. Rightfully so, but he may feel very comfortable here in Minnesota, and he might want to stay here and. Um, if he stays, you know what what is his opinion. You know he obviously has groomed Sam Bradford from the beginning, but he's made uh, he's made do uh, with Case Keenum obviously very well, and he's going to have an opinion on some of these quarterbacks in the draft. I would not put it past the Vikings to draft a quarterback this year fairly early in the draft. That wouldn't surprise me at all. So. I don't think we know um, who the who the starting quarterback is going to be. I think you can make a compelling case for all of them. If Case Keenan brings you to the Super Bowl and wins it, how can you not have him back? Um, so it's going to be that's going to be one of the bigger off-season topics league-wide is what the Vikings do at quarterback.
2: Chatting with Mike Wabshaw, Vikings Entertainment Network, Vikings Team Channel here on TuneIn. Mike, we have some young fans listening who don't recall what Minnesota encountered when they got to the Super Bowl four times in the 1970s and we know they've had some challenging moments in NFC title games but that's the past. Are fans in Minnesota right now starting to believe this team could achieve something truly special?
6: Yeah. I mean, fans believe in this team and I can tell by being at the home games and by interacting with them via email and social media and and talking to people out on the street. I mean, people believe in this team and it's, it's mostly because they believe in Mike Zimmer and they love the defense and they love the story of guys like Case Keenan and Adam Thielen who came out of nowhere, you know, and, um, and they love Stephon Diggs, a middle round wide receiver who's you know playing uh, who's playing great for them. So they believe in this team. There's no question about that. But as you referenced, Brian, they are scarred. I mean, that's just the best way to put it. They are scarred from heartbreak in the past. And every fan base has been has been heartbroken over a loss or um, you know a loss in the Super Bowl or a missed opportunity. But these fans have never experienced the exaltation of a Super Bowl win. They've never experienced that, so they don't know that it can happen. And I think part of them is waiting to see what the next chapter of disappointment is. So it's a very cautious belief or optimism, but at the end of the day, these fans believe, and, and I think... The interesting dynamic with it this year is obviously the Super Bowl is here in Minnesota. And there is a sense where it's like, well, the football gods can even the score. They've put us through so much over the first 55 plus years of franchise history, but they can even the score by having, you know, helping us win the Super Bowl the year we host it. So it's really kind of a cool story.
1: That sounds like a Christmas time of the year. You're trying to be naughty and nice as a fan to try to, you know, (laughs) hopefully get the good karma of the football gods. But here's a team that, that I think we all can say played some of the best football, not just in the NFC, but when it comes to balance throughout the entire National Football League. Mike, be honest. Do you see this team hosting the NFC Championship game? And we'll wait for your prediction down the road. But do you see this team hosting the NFC Championship game?
6: Yeah, I can can see it happening because this team is so good at home that I have so much respect for a team like the Panthers, who the Vikings lost to, um, but who has a roster full of players who have been in big games, including the quarterback, Cam Newton, and um, he's such a handful for a defense. So I got respect for them and obviously for the Saints who have won a Super Bowl and And I already talked about Sean McVay and and how much I admire his creative spirit as a coach and play caller. I think those teams are good enough to win playoff games on the road, but the Vikings are so good at home. They hold teams to just under 12 points per game beneath their scoring average for the season inside us bank stadium so i really have a lot of confidence in the vikings playing at home and they're probably going to get a first round bye, and they're probably going to have a a home they're going to have a home game in the divisional round so i feel good about that now the eagles i'm not panicking on the eagles like i'm sure some of your um listeners uh may be doing um or maybe you guys are too i know what we saw against the raiders did not look good but I really have a lot of confidence in Doug Peterson, Frank Reich, and Nick Foles to put it together over the next two weeks and and play well in the divisional round. But if a team comes in there and beats them, like I can see the Saints doing, you know, then the title game is in Minnesota. And it does have a storybook feeling to it. This season does for the Vikings. And I think part of the storybook would be winning the NFC Championship game at home and staying home and hosting the Super Bowl. So I can see it happening. Um, of course, it can go a lot of other different ways as well. But, I mean, if, if I had to be on the spot and, and predict it, I, I would predict it to happen. And I don't mean any disrespect to the Eagles. Um, but, uh, you know, both the Vikings and Eagles are going to have stiff challenges in the divisional round because this NFC playoff field is loaded.
2: Mike, tremendous information as always. Early happy New Year's wishes to you. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and we'll chat with you next week because I think Minnesota's going to be on a bye, but we're still talking Viking football in the NFL on TuneIn.
6: I'll have my feet up during the bye week, and although I won't be on a beach, I will be imagining what it would feel like to be on a beach because right now it's 10 degrees below zero in Minnesota.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast, and we'll be right back with more after this.
2: Experience the excitement of the NFL as it happens with NFL First and Goal, exclusively on TuneIn Premium. From Week 1 to Week 17, jump in and out of the action every Sunday with Nick Ferguson and me taking you from game to game. We'll have home calls as teams are threatening to score. Take it to block.
0: Brady tosses. Touchdown!
2: Hear every big play. Hear every game-winning drop. It is a touchdown! Catch NFL first and goal every Sunday starting at 1 Eastern only on TuneIn.
0: Welcome back to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Here are your hosts, Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart.
2: This is NFL No Huddle, the podcast. Now it's time for the Fantasy Fix with Dennis Farrell of Fantasy Football Geekly.
0: Fantasy football has become a major reality for millions of fans. Makes him off to the 30. He's gone. He's gone. What a move. It takes skill to win your fantasy championship, separating the zeros. He goes to the near side, and it's from the fantasy heroes. Down
2: the middle, it's caught over the shoulder in the end zone.
0: Buckle up your chin strap for the fantasy,
2: fantasy
0: fix.
2: Crunch time in fantasy football. Always a pleasure to chat with Dennis Farrell from fantasy football geekly. Dennis, we appreciate the time. In the first hour of the show, we had our weekly conversation with our injury, injury analyst, Will Carroll, and he said the Malker Murray's got a lot of trouble with the slight MCL tear. So... From the fantasy point of view, what are you doing with Murray? Are you going to ride with Derrick Henry or just stay away from that entire Titan situation?
5: You know, I don't like the matchup for Henry, but we're looking at week 17 where, you know, uh, Le'Veon Bell is out now. You're going to be rushing to pick up guys like Peyton Barber, Wayne Goldman, uh, Gillensley, who's missed two weeks of two days of practice and not super high on might be somebody but Derrick Henry even with a bad matchup has shown when he's the guy he can get it done he's had a couple weeks here where what week six in Indianapolis where he rushed for 131 yards he's going up against Jacksonville like I said the matchup's not great but he did rush 14 times for 92 yards and the touchdown in week two against Jacksonville so the fact that he's owned in 72% of leagues, you might be able to go out there and get him right now.
1: This is a week Kansas City will will rest Alex Smith to give Patrick Mahomes the opportunity to start. And, and being that he is, does that change the value of the Chief Chiefs offensive players uh, this week?
5: I, I think it does. I mean, you have an unspoken commodity out there with Patrick you don't know what the game plan is. Are they going to be conservative, just hand the ball off 20, 25 times this week and you know, kind of kill the clock and write it out? Or are they going to see what they have in this kid? I don't know what the game plan is or how they're going to use him. So I'm very worried for Tariq Hill and other guys like that in this offense. You know, I think Kelsey should be all right. He's one of those guys, even with a young quarterback, he should still see value, but that deep threat, And Hill, that's a Ted Scratcher, and I'm worried about him.
2: Fantasy fix being provided by Dennis Farrell from Fantasy Football Geekly. Chargers have a lot to play for, trying to play their way into the postseason as a wild card. That could start with a victory over the Raiders. Plus, they're going to need some help. If we're thinking about the details of what's going on for the Bolts, no Hunter Henry again. A week ago, Antonio Gates was on the business end of a touchdown pass from Philip Rivers. Are you riding with Gates again this weekend against the Silver and Black?
5: You kind of have to. I, I like the fact that you know he's going to be the guy again. And, Usually, when he's the guy, he can see a touchdown. And Philip Rivers, one of those guys that really loves his, you know, tight ends. The fact that you might see Melvin Gordon a little bit limited—he did get a limited practice in today, which helps his fantasy value. A guy like Malcolm Brown, or not even Malcolm Brown—I'm sorry, I got the wrong team on that one. But look, I was really excited about throwing out Malcolm Brown. I'm not going to lie to you. But, That's okay. Uh, uh, but look, yeah, I, I like Gates. I think he's going to be one of those stars this week. He can finish as a top five tight end this week.
1: Dennis needing to win to have a chance to improve their seeding. Uh, what do you expect from Cam Newton this week against the Atlanta Falcons?
5: He, you know what? If I could cuss on the show, I would because Cam Newton burned me. can you know what? I I I wish I could quit Cam Newton right now. He he fantasy. <laughs> Burned me last week. So the fact that you bring up Cam Newton is like that one girlfriend from high school that you can't quite give up. Yeah. And you know maybe you found her on Facebook and you're like, let's <laughs> see how she's doing. That's kind of what Cam Newton right now is to me. So I I I say good luck with anybody rolling with Cam Newton because at this point I don't know what to expect against Tampa Bay last week. I thought he should have had twenty plus points. He squeaked out a lousy 15 points, which caused me to lose my fantasy uh, championship game by two points. Thank you, Cam Newton, with that interception. So, uh, I'm not I'm not a big fan of Cam Newton this week, no.
2: Dennis, since I've already proclaimed that we're very good friends, would you like to vent some more? you have anything else you want to get off your <laughs> chest other than Cam Newton betraying you last week? Come on, Tampa Bay, Cam Newton. <laughs> you should have. No, I'm over
5: it. Yes, uh, Cam Look, that drove me crazy, that game. Watching Cam Newton just lollygag his butt through that game. Like, you know, someone's fantasy championship didn't depend on it. Uh, Cam, I know you're listening, and you should be (laughs) ashamed of yourself. So uh, if you have a better option out there, even Tyrod Taylor against Miami might be a safer play than Cam Newton against the
2: Wow. Yeah, not bitter much, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Dennis is letting it all hang out. Cordell, your turn. It's
1: my turn. I think I appreciate that. But Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, you know, if he's available and if you're able to grab him, uh, has he done enough to warrant uh, keeping him around? Jimmy Garoppolo.
5: Absolutely. I. This guy has come out and has looked good. He's throwing touchdowns. He's he, what the last three games he's had a touchdown, I'm sure he's had an interception in two of his last three, but he's thrown for over two hundred and fifty yards and well jacksonville two forty, which wasn't bad, but you know three thirty four three eighty one two uh, was it two forty two and three touchdowns yeah, you know Jimmy is one of my keepers guys this year uh on that same team where cam was playing for a roster spot, I'm now thinking in all honesty that I may let Cam hit the open open waiver wire next year and roll with Jimmy Garoppolo as my starting quarterback. So I am developing a, a real fantasy football main crutch on Jimmy Garoppolo
2: right now. And that's what Cam gets for letting you down. Fantasy Fix, Dennis Farrell, Fantasy Football Geekly. Dennis, last one for me. A lot of our listeners are in Dynasty Keeper League. So is there a player who's been on a second tier? Not a huge star, but a solid performer. You would consider keeping now, projecting a breakout season next year?
5: You know what? I'm very curious with Dion Lewis. He was a guy that was injured. He was kind of the heir apparent to that running back situation in New England. Blew out his knee, was all but forgotten. You know, I think at one time he was fourth on that depth chart, has played his way back up to the number one job. I'm I'm very curious to see what happens with Deion Lewis in the offseason, what New England plans to do. He's shown when he's given the opportunities, he can easily be a top six, top seven running back. He can catch the ball, he can run the ball, and that's an offense that fits him. So Deion Lewis might be one of those guys that I might be tabbing right now as a sleeper going into next year.
2: Dennis, great information as always. I'm glad we could be here. I hope that conversation was therapeutic <laughs> And best of luck next year. I'm presuming you're moving on from Cam Newton.
5: I think that sounds about right.
2: Thank you, Dennis. See you guys.
0: You're listening to NFL No Huddle, the podcast. We'll be right back after this.
2: When it comes to a beer brewed to handle a Sunday full of touchdowns and St. punt returns, and I can't believe he caught that. Look for the light beer that's always brewed for more taste with only 96 calories. Miller Lite, the original light beer. To be enjoyed from pregame to postgame. It's been a part of the game since it first showed up on the sidelines back in 1975. So when you reach for a light beer this game day, grab the one that won't fill you up and never compromises on taste. Miller Light. This is
0: NFL No Huddle,
2: the podcast. Here are your hosts Brian Weber and
0: Cordell Stewart.
2: As we continue on NFL No Huddle the Podcast, let's dive deeper into our game of the week between the Falcons and the Panthers, focusing on our original team player, Carolina quarterback Cam Newton.
0: It's NFL No Huddle, spotlighting the stars of the game who played their hearts out for one team their entire career. It's the original team player, presented by Miller Light.
2: And today we're focusing on Cam Newton, Cordell. After winning the Heisman at Auburn, Cam selected by the Panthers with the number one overall pick in 2011. Undeniably, you were a dynamic, mobile quarterback with loads of speed. But have we ever seen a quarterback with a combination of speed and power like Cam Newton?
1: Well, Cam was was a, was a freak of nature, is what I would love to say. Uh, I mean, he's huge. Uh, it's like got a basketball, like a power forward type body. I had a chance to meet him at his camp. Uh, this past summer, a seven-on-seven camp where I, where he allows a lot of the kids within the area and some outside the state to to come to this nice complex they have out in the northern part of Atlanta on the outskirts, up 75. And, uh, to, dude, that's my first time actually seeing him up close. And the dude is huge. The dude is big. And uh, to see him playing the way he has and having to carry the load as many times as he has uh, for that football team um, – consecutive years of of having 100 carries uh, for this football team to determine the outcome in some of these games let alone uh, that's within the season now um, along with what it means to their offense and, and what they try to do and get accomplished. Uh, I think he's, 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 he's right on point of, of what it was they anticipated him to do and that's come in and make this team much better and most importantly taking them to a championship and getting to the playoffs so Cam Newton, he does it his way. you know. Uh, he has a T-shirt that says it. Uh, when it comes down to it, you saw the last game they played, fumbled the snap, picked the snap up as big as he is. He leans forward, touchdown, Cam Newton and the Carolina Panthers. Um, so for me, I just, I just say while he does it different, you know, uh, he has his moments where he throws the ball extremely well. He has his moments when he runs the football better. And, and and if you could get a combination of both of those, and if you can at, at one time in one game, while the defense play as good as, as they do at times, um, they feed off of his energy. This team is pretty hard to stop. So, you know, this is an opportunity for this football team this weekend playing against the Atlanta Falcons here in Atlanta. Uh, it's going to give this team a chance to get to the postseason with the win um, and, and maybe push the Atlanta Falcons down with the win with the New Orleans Saints, the third spot, and maybe – have one of these teams like the Seattle Seahawks that could potentially sneak uh, into the postseason, which I doubt. But hey, you never know what's going to happen. It's probably going to fall into that division where two teams are going to be in a wild card position and represent three teams out of the NFC South. But yeah, Cam Newton is a force to be reckoned with. And yes, when coming out of the National Football League, I knew he was something special when he was running uh, the Wildcat offense there and with the Auburn Tigers and winning the National Championship in his last year after coming out of junior college and spending two years there with The Auburn Tigers, um, he ended up coming to the National Football League and doing the same thing. So he's been successful ever since he stepped on the football field with the Carolina Panthers.
2: Yeah, and you said for Carolina and Atlanta on Sunday, it'll be a homecoming for the Atlanta native Cam Newton. He's today's original team player presented by Miller Lite. Cordell, we've been talking so much about shoulders and marquee quarterbacks. Andrew Luck didn't play at all this year because of his shoulder issue. Cam had a less strenuous shoulder procedure in the offseason. How long do you think, just watching the games, it took him to feel like he was 100% again? Because early on, he had some shaky performances. Remember, the Panthers lost this year in Chicago. Cam had three picks in that game.
1: Yes, he did. Yes, It was shaky shaky wins and and some losses that were, you know, that was warranted, uh, I think, from the standpoint of the lack of – of performances by him mostly, but early on, you know, it's like any other quarterback when you think about it. I mean, Philip Rivers started off 0 and 4. You can go on the other side to flip the coin on the other side. Alex Smith started off what five and 0, and and then you could you know you, you just find yourself trying to figure it out at times, and hopefully the figuring out stemmed from going from one place to another, which is positive, and I think that's what happened when trying to figure out how could they, because you remember, they lost Greg Olson for some time. Right. Uh, they end up losing Calvin Benjamin midway through uh, to the latter part of the season, and then they were trying to figure out what they were going to do with Christian McCaffrey. in uh, when thinking about that too as well, so it's, it's you know, it was a different offense. Let's just say that in their approach. Uh, you didn't have Ted Ginn Jr., who's now with the New Orleans Saints. You didn't have him on the roster. So now, all of a sudden, truthfully, I mean, you have Funches, but truthfully, all you really had, and this is why he was the leading receiver on the team, was Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, catching the ball for what five yards and having to do the yak thing at the end. Uh, so it, it was it was, it was, was tough for that football team early on, particularly for Cam Newton, but he found a way to get it done, and I think that's what winners do. They find a way to get it done, and his success it's, I think as long-lasting as long as he can stay healthy and they continue to build on this football team. And it's good to have Thomas Davis coming back this week after potentially having a two-game suspension because of the hit they had in the game a few weeks ago, a hit to the head. Got suspended for two weeks, appealed it, got to one week. He's back this week to help this team try to make a run to knock Atlanta off uh, from a chance of being a second seed and, and, and they end up getting that second spot.
2: Let's wrap it up with location, location, location. You talked about Cam being from Atlanta, going to his passing camp in the offseason. Do you think he brings something extra to the field when he plays the Falcons in Atlanta? Because a critic might say he's perhaps pushing too hard in those games. If you look at his numbers against the Falcons in Atlanta, he has not played well over the years.
1: Well, he hasn't. You know, he comes home to his family and friends and, entertainers and you know sometimes it could be distractions but I'm not going to say that's the reason why but you couple that and or compound that along with the pressures of having to just play you know that's a lot you got to take care of tickets because the whole entire family is here in Atlanta you know to having to you know deal with obligation and requests mostly the obligations are with the team the requests are from the family and friends you know and, and, and so having to you know, make sure all that is good. You know, it, it changes a little bit as far as the psyche is concerned. But, you know, it's, it's one of those games that I think that's a must-win game for them um, to try to control their fate in the sense of where they're seated in this division and not be that 3rd seed team if the New Orleans Saints win. Um, and, and, you know, not be that 3rd seed team to where maybe they may be on the outside looking in. But um, I think we both can agree that three teams will come out of this division – Going into the postseason, but it's tough. You know, it's 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 like going back home and having to play at home is not always the easiest because. That level of comfort sometimes changes from you having to dig and push a little hard, and but you got the little extra swag because you got your homies that's in the in the stands to your buddies from school to some of your girlfriends that you knew that you grew up with that wanted tickets but you couldn't give them tickets, and then they sit in the stands and get tickets from somebody else and they tell you about <laughs> tickets, you know. So now you before you know from you have the ticket more the sideline, you know. Been there, done that. The ticket thing <laughs> could be a problem, you know. People want tickets all the ticking times, but um yeah but cam you know I, I'm not bothered with cam too much with coming home and playing I, I think everything that's that's on this game is going to force him to have to you know make sure Cecil the father uh, Newton, is is making sure the distractions away and and I, and I bet you better believe that that's like that all the time it's just maybe in certain arenas things may be just a little different but guess what this is his first time playing in a new Mercedes Benz Dome He never had an opportunity to do it. First game they played against the Falcons, they played them in Charlotte. Beautiful city, by the way. To now all of a sudden having to come back to his own city in Atlanta, another beautiful city, to play in that brand new uh, dome they have here called the Mercedes-Benz Dome here in downtown Atlanta, which is second to none to any stadium in the National Football League. But this is going to be a new arena for him. Uh, It's not going to be the old dome. It's going to be a new one. And you have to assume – Sometimes in new environments, things things may change for you, may help you, may be good for you, less distractions. So I'm looking forward to seeing that. Back to you,
2: Brian. Thank you, sir. Well, we do know that Carolina has margin for error because of their dramatic win over Tampa Bay. Carolina's going to the postseason. They've already locked up a postseason berth. Worst case, they're a wild card. Things come together if they beat the Falcons. If the Saints lose to Tampa Bay, Carolina is division champ. Cam Newton, today's original team player presented by Miller Lite.
0: This original team player segment has been presented by Miller Lite. The original light beer. Miller Lite, hold true. NFL No Huddle will be back right after this.